the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Oh, and he's taking tonight off. <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. Le- at least you uh, reach to do the uh, tuner and decide, oh, it, it must be a pre-recorded tonight. No, actually not. Uh, but I'm going to get a chance to lay back uh, during at least the first hour of the program tonight because we've got three very exciting guests that are going to join us simultaneously. And so, you know, I- I'm just going to sort of feel like the fifth wheel here. So I'm going to let the experts tell the story. I'll, I'll moderate a little bit here and there. But beyond that. Uh, It's going to be a joy, I think. And I want to encourage you just as we launch the program this evening that if you have a lady friend that you know from work or church that's been struggling with issues related to self-confidence, their identity in Christ, trying to find their role perhaps in ministry or in business or just trying to learn more about their identity in Christ, then you want to call them, text them, email them, send up a smoke signal. Well, no, don't do that with the fires. Uh, Let them know that we've got an exciting group on the program tonight that you certainly will not want to miss. Joining me on the program, Amber Wigan Buckley. She is the lead author and visionary for the series that we've been doing for several weeks now called Leading Ladies, Discover Your God-Grown Strategy for Success. Amber is creative director with Bold Vision Books and co-host of Coffee Chat with Amber and Lisa. You wonder, well, who's the Lisa? Well, that would be Lisa Burns Burris. She, again, is also a contributor to this book series. And professionally, she is a vocal and performance coach as well as a author and speaker. And conveniently, also co-hosts Coffee Chat with Amber and Lisa. Finally, last but certainly by no means least, our dear friend Don Damon, founder of Braveheart Mentor Coaching and host of the Bravehearted Woman podcast. And to all three of you, a very hearty welcome. Good evening. Good evening. Hi. Amber, let me start um, tonight. Start with you, Amber, since this was initially kind of your your vision. Give us a sense. Give listeners a sense of what was going on in your life that you said, you know, there's a book that needs to be written. There's a story that needs to be told. There are women out there that need to be encouraged. How did all this come about? Well, it actually came about when I was in the car rider line at my daughter's middle school. (laughs) And I felt um, God drop a question into my heart. It was, um, what things have I put in you that make you a great leader? That make, I mean, the the things that you really love about yourself. And I'm like, I don't think I was even supposed to (laughs) think about those questions. (laughs) And in that process, I actually was caught like a deer in the headlights. I, I I didn't know 
what I couldn't even actually pinpoint what made me a great leader. All I knew is yes, I served authors and speakers. You know, I'm the editor for a magazine. So I started, you know, thinking about listing off a to-do list. And in reality, I realized that I was finding my worth from my to-do list. And I kind of lost my identity in that to-do list. And I think that that's where a lot of women are at. And they don't see the value and the purpose and the really good things that God has built and down inside of them that make them a leader. They don't, when they hear word the word leadership, they think of uh, businesses, they think of corporate America, they think of, you know, dynamic women speakers. Um, in reality, I, God wanted me to reframe my mindset is that we all lead. We all have influence. And and basically said, you know that that uh, question you're messing with that you can't answer. I need you to ask. I need you to help other women ask that answer that question. Mm. So there was a sense that you had that you certainly weren't alone in this. And I have to wonder, you know, oftentimes I think perhaps women are so busy even today as much as we've grown and and have broadened our thinking and are more accepting of understanding the kind of contributions that women make at a variety of levels, not just at home in the household. That's a given, not just in the workplace. That certainly is a given going way back to World War Two. Right. But in so many other ways that they do such an amazing level of contribution to the church and to ministry and society today. And I have to wonder, and and, um, let me pose this question uh, next, if I might, to Lisa, that do you think there's a case where sometimes women are so busy trying to meet others' expectations of them that their, their own personal sense of growth in ministry and leadership gets stifled because they're constantly worried about what will the husband say, what will the church say, what will my co-worker say? What will my employees say? Do you think that's true? Oh, absolutely. It's true. Um, As women, we take on so many roles in life. And uh, not everyone uh, is uh, married, but we all start out as someone's daughter, someone's child. Uh, Occasionally, we get to be someone's sibling. And then as we get a little bit older in life, uh, we add on all sorts of hats and we, we start to spin all sorts of plates up in the air at the same time. And we're so busy trying to take care of everyone, making sure also that we fit into everybody else's expectations of what our rules are or should be. And we get to this point where, just as Amber said, um, we are just functioning. Uh, some of us function at a very high, fast pace. Um, But that doesn't mean that we haven't forgotten deep down on the inside that we were designed with a specific God-given purpose. Um, Oftentimes we forget that even the mundane parts of our life are very much a part of that purpose. And there is no small I 
in in that I have a purpose, and um, yes, it can be the people in my immediate parameter, but also I believe the Father puts things in us that are potentially to draw others to Him, and so we get so busy with the stuff, so busy with the roles, so busy of what people think we should be or what our interpretation of what what they think of us should be that we we oftentimes just simply forget we have something here to do for his good purpose and and i would wonder and let me toss this question toward uh, don damon i i would wonder if sometimes uh, women get so caught up in trying to meet those expectations as we were just discussing with with lisa that that while there's certainly many gifts and talents that women have been given and been called to but of course they function at different times in different places and i wonder if sometimes in the midst of all of this stress that women the modern woman is dealing with today in particular that maybe the place of the roles get confused. Let me clarify what I'm asking. I had a boss years and years ago, wonderful woman to work for. And every once in a while, I would notice in, in the course of her interaction with the staff that she would seem to slip into the mother role. You know what I mean? You know, sort of, of put your, straighten your tie, sit up straight, you know, that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and every once in a while, I would catch that and observe that. And occasionally, I even felt compelled to call her out and say, now, you realize, Carrie, you're, you're not acting like a boss. You're acting like super mom. Oh, my goodness. And just that sense of sometimes those roles slipping because there's been so much societal pressure to conform in a certain fashion. And I'm curious, Dawn, from your experience, does that also sometimes tend to get in the way of women being able to reach the, the, the fullness of their gifting and their capacity? Well, sure. I mean, I want to answer that in terms of also the experiences that I've had with some of my male leaders because I have felt very fathered by them. And I think that's just indicative of how God wires us women. You know, the way we lead, we are more intuitive. We are more nurturing. And we do tend to lead from the heart where, you know, like I said before, I have felt, um, you know, there was a very strong patriarch in as a boss for me. And I did look at him as a father at times, you know. So that's just kind of problematic. But... I think, you know, back to one of your questions that I like to call it this way. Women, we have so many messages about our identity, about who we should be. Like, I'll, I'll just share a story too, Craig, that I have. Like, I when I started preaching and leading, I had so many men uh, honestly come up to me and say, whatever you do, don't lose your femininity. Whatever you do. And so I was like, What's going to happen to me when I stand on the platform and start preaching? Are like parts of me going to fall off and roll? <laughs> I mean, you know, how am I going to do that? <laughs> and what what I, the message that I was hearing was: we want you to, we still want you to be soft and feminine, and and so you know, honestly, I I struggled at first. Like, what is my voice? What is my leadership voice? Can I preach boldly or? Am I crossing the line of into masculinity? And I knew what they meant, but it was really confusing. One time I got done preaching and a man came up to me and he said, I don't believe in women pastors. And I said, oh, thank you. I said, well, you've just met one. So you do you believe now? <laughs> He's like, no, I don't believe you're of God. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, you're right. And I call it fibs. We believe fibs. 
false identity belief syndrome fibs like that was part of my inner healing and my growing and confidence i had to overcome the fibs that used to get into my mind Boy, that's such a poignant uh, observation that you shared, Don. And, you know, I think so often not only are there, are there confines, you know, sort of creating this box. This box might be made up of, of societal, quote unquote, norms or standards or what we think is typical or normal, whatever. There's also sort of that religious box to which you suggest that tends to confine women. Instead of asking the question, what can we do to make sure we're keeping society at large happy or, or meeting our predetermined? religious box roles and identity. Well, here's an idea. How about asking the question, what are we doing to fulfill what God has called me to be and where he's called me to be the most effective? And of course, that's a a question that I would imagine often women are discouraged from even asking of themselves, much like Amber suggested at the beginning of our conversation. If you've just tuned in, it is a follow-up to our ongoing series called Leading Ladies, Discover Your God-Grown Strategy for Success. We have not only the visionary of the book, Amber Wigan Buckley, with us, but also two major contributors to the book, Lisa Burns Burris and Don Damon. We're going to take a brief time out, come back to more of the discussion, and we're going to do a little bit of a mashup. And I'm going to encourage the women to get involved, talk to each other, and let's really work through some of these issues because I know there are many of you listening tonight that say, wow, you know, I know I've got more to offer. I just don't know how to find it. How do I find my voice as a woman in 2023? We'll discuss that and more as our conversation continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We have invited three of the primary contributors to the Leading Ladies book called Leading Ladies, Discover Your God-Grown Strategy for Success to be on the program with us tonight. Amber Wigan Buckley, along with Lisa Burns Burris and Don Damon. And Don, I want to come back to you for a moment. It's one thing, certainly, for women to learn what it is to achieve successful leadership and not just common leadership, but leadership with purpose. But I suppose to get there, along the way, you've really got to start with some basics, and one of which that I know many women today struggle with, and that is discovering their true passion, their true gifts, which I think oftentimes, as we sort of alluded to earlier, and Lisa touched on this, uh, I think sometimes the, it gets gets muddled, it gets a bit confusing because there's societal expectations, there's that religious box that we spoke of earlier, but to share, if you would, what that journey was like for you in discovering your own sense of true passion and gifts and what are some of the keys and a question certainly for Don but I'd like to have all three of you jump in in terms of what advice can you offer women eavesdropping on our conversation tonight that say that's exactly where I'm at I know that there's some passion in me I know there are things that God wants me to do I'm just not sure what that is Don. Yes and I do want to say any woman listening let that passion be fanned into flame so for me i i became a mother right away and so i thought because of all of my upbringing and my surroundings that was my primary gift and calling from god and i and i do believe that yet and still that was what i did and so when i started feeling this call of god to pastor and it was percolating in me i remember sharing that with a male leader and i said I'm feeling like God is calling me to ministry. And he said, 
oh, like to you, the mission field? And I said, no, I, I, I mean, like preaching and pastoring is like, oh. And so I didn't think I had permission to have that calling. I didn't think that I was able to hear from God correctly that, why, God, did you put this burning thing inside of me? But I'm not permitted to do it. So I never allowed it to grow. I stifled it. I pushed it down. I ignored it. I did other things. But when I got in the right environment, Craig, where I all of a sudden realized women can be used of God, they can teach a man, they can preach, they can hold leadership positions. The dormant seeds of passion and dreams began to awaken and burst forth inside of me. And I did have a John the Baptist, if you will, preparing the way. I had a champion in a man, uh, pastor, he and his wife that, that saw that gift in me and said, we will make a way for you. And they paved the way and gave me a place of ministry hired me opened the doors for me i don't know that without that i don't know where i would be and so it did take it did take sensitive god-led spirit-filled men to make a way because i wasn't going to kick those doors open i needed to be invited to the table but until then i didn't think i had permission i i was ashamed of my passion I was embarrassed to admit it. I said it to a close girlfriend once that I wanted to be a pastor, and she fell over backwards on the floor and started laughing. So that was like, oh, okay, well, don't don't share that again. Anyone listening today, any woman listening, I will tell you, if you have the passion and the burden, you can trust that God is speaking to you and equipping you. That's got to be so hurtful. And let me have any of you jump in to respond to this. What what Dawn shares has got to be so hurtful when you're sharing from your heart as to the direction that you feel God is leading you and the sense of passion that you have and and, and feeling that uh, that powerful sense of the Holy Spirit and then have somebody respond to that by laughing at you. Now, I, there were probably some people that said, Jesus, you're going to you're going to do what in three and a half years? Oh, don't be silly. Let me die on the cross and be raised again on the third day. Yeah, that that doesn't happen. But that sense of dismissiveness, wow, that must be very hurtful. It is very hurtful. And, you know, I, I think it really does come down to we have to figure out who we are in Jesus. We have to know who we are in him and start to identify the callings, the passions that he has put in us. You know, as you were talking about earlier, and even Dawn talked about, you know, there comes many, there are many seasons in a woman's life. And there are times where, you know, we often get the impression, well, my call from God or what I do for him needs to be put up on this shelf during this season of my life. We need to set it up here in a box and when it's time again, I'll take it down and I will I will do with it what God gives me the time to use then. Um, the reality is I don't see anywhere in scripture that we are to stop walking in the knowledge of who we are in him. We're supposed to understand we're created in his image. Some of those very female characteristics you were talking about earlier, the fact that we are nurturing or the fact that we are intuitive, those are 
attributes of God, and he chose to put them in us as females. And I'm not saying there aren't men that don't have them, but yes, they do seem particularly female. Um, when someone challenges your calling and your gift, yes, you can get very hurt. And it can oftentimes lead you to maybe just step back and say, okay, well, well, I won't try that again. I think we have to come to a knowledge and an understanding in our deepest heart that we are designed with purpose and he does call us to walk out on that water with him, walk out that calling every day. So we start to understand what God thinks about me, what he's put in me, that matters more than the laughter, the harsh comments, or even sometimes the very brutal uh, what other people consider honesty and truth that they give us. We have to learn what does God really say about us. Do we also need to think outside the box? And, and this question to, to, to any of the three of you, do we need to, to, to sort of change the way we do some of our thinking in the sense that we tend to, uh, I think on face level, be restrictive of a woman's skill or capacity uh, and in the end we what we're really doing is limiting God but but you know so often there's that sense that this is all either or meaning well you can be a good mother but you can't be a good businesswoman or you can be great in business but you know you can't take on a church leadership role do we need to think in in change our thinking in the sense that instead of approaching it as you can do one or the other but not both to, to say no the approach needs to be broader to understand that it can indeed be both and as opposed to either or? Yeah, I think um, that I had to totally reframe even how I thought about what it, what it looked like to activate in my leadership role. Um, when I was a magazine editor for Youth Magazine for uh, 16 years and then the magazine world, the bottom fell out and I was like, God, you called me to do this. I, why am I? And then I ended up in a job in fundraising, and that was the most horrible job. <laughs> and I was like, God, you called me to do this. Why, why, why? And it was, it was. I had to make up my mind that I was gonna, I was gonna operate my gifting, no matter if I got a paycheck or not. And those were big. I even prayed that. I even prayed that. I said, God. I want to do a magazine whether I get a paycheck or not. So I'm going to do it. And but lo and behold, um, he brought Leading Hearts, which is the um, magazine that I do for women. And, and it was interesting to see that even my dreams back in the day when I was in high school, I opened up my, cracked open my high school uh Yearbook, and I said, I want to be a editor for a woman, a for a Christian woman's magazine. I forgot that I even put those words down there. Wow! Uh, I wasn't getting a paycheck per se for it. I just had to hold it on to it, and I had to operate in it. And whether people validated me because I had a paying job, or if people validated me because I had credentials, I mean, I give. I ended up giving away my ministerial credentials because of my mental health problems. But I realized that I didn't have to have a piece of paper to validate God's call on my life. 
And here I was before thinking, well, I need to gain the respect of men <laughs> and play the game and get my ministerial credentials and prove my cred, you know, have my cred um, to be in this ball game. And and God was saying, that's not even that's not even what I've called you to. And, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of us struggle with that sense that we're so inclined to want to be people pleasers and meet the expectations of others. And I think we really got our priorities backwards in the sense that we're so busy on trying to, to satisfy the relationships that we have on the horizontal plane that we completely oftentimes ignore the relationship that we have on the vertical plane and fail to recognize that first and foremost, our obligation is to God and to making sure that we're doing what God has called us to do. And, and I suppose that uh, there's there's so much conditioning that goes on from a societal standpoint to try to keep everybody around us on the horizontal plane satisfied and happy and content and not criticizing us. That is it any wonder that so often women struggle with a sense of limited vision because of fear or insecurity or lack of confidence and support? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, whether we know it or not, even as young girls, we're gathering evidence about ourselves from our early childhood. We're listening to influencers and parents and caregivers and teachers. And in many ways, then we come to adulthood with all of this evidence that this is who we are, this self-image that we carry of ourselves. And so it took for me personally, and maybe you guys, you girls experienced this too, but I had to line up what I had come to believe about myself with what God said about me. And that was the confidence that I began to walk in. And that's when I learned, okay, I don't want to be a woman with a chip on my shoulder. I don't want to be an angry female leader, but at the same time, I am not going to acquiesce and apologize anymore the way God wired me. Stop apologizing. Walk in your anointing. Amen. And Donna, follow-up question to that. What you're yeah. suggesting then, I think, would really lead us to the notion that for a woman to really come into her fullness and understand what it is that God expects of her, first and foremost, you really need to spend copious amounts of time in the Word and in prayer and with other supportive women. Am I right? Because you're not just going to pick this out of the air. If you want to know what God's image is of you and expectations for you, don't we go right to the Word for that? Absolutely. And there's three things that I talk to when I, I minister to women. I said, you have a God image, a created image. God created you in his likeness. You have a redemptive image. Jesus has forgiven you and redeemed you. And you have a self image. You have what you believe about yourself and you will never rise above the image that you have of yourself or the price tag, the value that you put on yourself. So we have to be students of ourselves and investigate. What does God say about me? What has Jesus redeemed me and given to me as gifts? And what sneaky beliefs do I have hiding in the crevices of my heart that are whispering, I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough, smart enough, wealthy enough, something enough. And so it is, it's a discovery. And I think to me, that's what going from glory to glory is all about, like this transformation or this 
this growth and development process that the Holy Spirit takes us through. Boy, that's that, what that, a bold, confident woman is. That that leads to a, a question that I'm dying to ask, but my engineer is looking at me <laughs> suggesting I need to wait a moment. Uh, we're going to ask it right after the break. Um, we're visiting today with Don Damon, Lisa Burns Burris, and Amber Wigand Buckley. All, of course, contributors to Leading Ladies, Discover Your God-Grown Strategy for Success, newly released by Bold Vision Books. You can get it through the usual suspects as well as through Amazon.com. When we come back, how does a woman overcome what I'll call abusive programming? We'll get to that part of the conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're back with Amber Wigan Buckley, Lisa Burns Burris, and Don Damon talking about leading ladies discover your God-grown strategy for success. The new book released by Bold Vision and available at local bookstores as well as through Amazon.com. A question for any of you, perhaps maybe for all three of you, since you all have different backgrounds and different perspectives, uh, kind of dovetailing off of what Don Damon was mentioning before the break. How do women today go about overcoming what I'll call abusive programming. You know, that's the kind of programming where as a kid we're told, oh, you're de- you You mentioned you like to grow up and be president. Well, you know, little girls don't do that. Little girls play with Barbie dolls. This sense of imagery and negative programming or language that convinces us as a child that we're not worthy, we're not capable, we're not talented enough, we're not good looking enough, whatever it might be. And that in print gets carried with us into adult life, and while we might not always give mental assent to it, it's back there influencing our decisions or creating these these um, barriers that we're afraid to step out, we're afraid to be bold, we're afraid to take risks because of all of this abusive, incorrect programming. How do you go about finding out what that is and breaking free from those bonds, from those change? Qu- question for any of you or all three of you. Yes, shall I? Lisa, were you going to talk? You can go ahead and start. (laughs) Okay, this is Don Damon talking. So that's such an exciting question. And also, it is also, I feel it in the core of my being because, you know, I was a trauma survivor. And so, yes, I was one of those girls that had that abusive programming, not by words, but by actions. I was told that I could be whatever I wanted and that, you know, God loved me. But the actions were, this is what you're made for. This is really what you do. If you really want to be accepted in life, you have to be sexual. You have to um, be beautiful. You have to do these things. Otherwise, you will be rejected. And so the mindset for me was that I didn't know how to live my life being just loved, but I had to earn acceptance. I had to prove. And so we all get on that performance treadmill. I think this is true of boys as well, you know, but for me in any event, I had to overcome that abusive mindset. And I did that as you talked about it, Craig, right on the money. When I begin to read the word of God, I would have almost a visceral response that when the Bible said God loved me or I was made in this image, I would be like, no, no, not me. Like, uh. and I recognized that the enemy had really conquered areas of my mind 
that I needed to be set free from. And so the more I took those thoughts captive and submitted them to the Lordship of Jesus, I would say, Lord, is this true? Is it true that I'm wonderfully and fearfully made? Or is it true that I'm damaged goods and no no one will ever love me? Because that was one of the lies that I would believe. If you believe that lie, you'll live that lie. So for me, I say it this way, pause, ponder, and pick. I'd hear something, I'd pause. I'd ask God, ponder that. Is that true? Is that real? And then pick a response and say, I choose to reject that lie, that fib, that false identity belief, and I choose to accept God's word. So I'd stand in the mirror and say, I am loved by God, even though I didn't feel it. But I have to, I chose to accept it. You guys? Right. I think, you know, we live in a time right now where there are so many people challenging uh, the church, the word of God, Christianity as a whole. And they want to get on board and talk about how all the rules and regulations, especially when it comes to women and how we're to view women are all in this wrapped up in this patriarchal dogma. And the one thing that I have to hold true to is the personhood of Jesus. Jesus is not patriarchy. He is not full of rules and regulations that create me to be less than what he created me to be. And and I think, Don, what it came down to, and we kind of talked about it on the break a little bit. We got ahead of you, Craig, for a minute. We talked about this really does take a step in renewing your mind. Um, Amber, you even mentioned just taking these thoughts captive. And we really do need to do that. You know, I was I was immediately drawn to, to pull up the scripture in Philippians 4. Um, where Paul is talking, he says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. That means even the things that you doubt yourself and who you are and uh, the different voices that have told you things. Uh, He talks about God's peace will transcend our human understanding and it will guard our heart and mind. So keep our thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic, real, honorable. You are created in God's image. You are designed with purpose. Your sex as a female does not keep you from anything he has designed you for. Bottom line. I think that it's an interesting um, thing there when it comes to, you know, our identity. You know, when I was when I was young, growing up, my my uh, dad was. I mean, I raised in a Christian home. I remember my my dad saying, you know, oh, if anything ever happens to you, if you find yourself in a compromising situation and you get into trouble, then no no good, respectable man will want to have you as their wife. Or I remember my mom saying, if you don't know how to clean um, clean your dishes or keep your house tidy, no man will want to have you as their wife. And I'm like, well, all of a sudden that became kind of something that I was supposed to live up to like and then I realized if if I you know if my husband wanted me if I was looking to marry someone um, if they wanted a clean house I don't know if I would want to marry that person (laughs) (laughs) and what I realized is there's a there is a distinction between what we say in the framework of 
Christianity as this is how things should be. And then what 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 does God say? What does Christ say? What is so we have to kind of break ourselves from that. You know, I can say I, I mean, last night I totally failed on dinner. I mixed stuff with things that I mixed potatoes with things that I shouldn't have mixed potatoes with and turned out with this goo. And if, I, you know, I, that was a fail. I was like, I was experimenting. But, you know, if I would constantly rate myself on how, on my femininity, on how good I can cook a meal, I would fail every time. Right. We have to look at the good mm-hmm. stuff God's put in us. You know, I have piles of laundry. I have sinks of dirty dishes. I have, uh, I have, I use the dryer to unwrinkle my clothing because I do not have an iron. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the things we have to look, we have to look beyond those types of framework things. Those roles. And, And know that we have good, good, good things and maybe some of those other things that we see as traditional womanhood, um, they're not in our they're not in our wheelhouse. And I hope that that parents, if you've got a young daughter, that you're really paying close attention. I, I, I know that at a level it seems to be quaint to say such a thing as, you know, if you want to find a good husband, you got to be a good cook. Then you have to ask yourself, is that all you want them to aspire to? I mean, if they're successful in their life, go hire a chef, right? But you, you've got to set expectations in a way that, and this is true of boys as well, but that a young boy or a young girl has something to aspire to that challenges them to reach new heights. And if we, we use this the simple yardstick, whether or not there's dust above the frame of the door when you come in, wow, you set low expectations, you're going to achieve it every time. You set high expectations. You give people a chance to have something to really reach for. If you've just joined us, Amber Wigan Buckley, Lisa Burns Burris, and Don Damon with us tonight. All three contributors to this wonderful book called Leading Ladies, Discover Your God-Grown Strategy for Success. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back with some closing comments from our guests as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. You know, as I'm thinking through our conversation this afternoon, I'm thinking this is much like trying to uh, summarize the 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 central core idea of war and pre- peace in one word. <laughs> How do you do it? Uh, today, I think, largely is meant to sort of whet your appetite, to encourage you to go deeper, to begin thinking outside of the box, to begin seeking out uh, not man's image for who you want to be, but who God God has called you to be. Insights today from Leading Ladies, Discover Your God-Grown Strategy for Success on Finding Your Calling, Discovering Your True Passion and Gifts, Learning How to Connect with Other Women, Learning How to Achieve Successful Leadership with Purpose, and Living a Life That Counts. Wow, there's so much to unpack here. I think what we're going to do in the closing moments is I'd like to have each of you, as, as you have been not only contributory to the discussion, but certainly contributory to the book, 
up with your own experiences. Let me ask each of you to take a couple of minutes and sort of walk us through. If, if there was going to be the, um, the what do they call it, the, the elevator pitch, so to speak, the, the elevator message, we'll call it, of the most important takeaway when it comes to encouraging women to achieve all that God has called them to be from your life, your experiences, your relationship with God, what would that look like? And I, let me first start, if I may, with uh, Lisa Burns Burris. Lisa? Yeah, I would say, and I'm going to get really practical right here. I would say, um, once again, make sure that you are finding out who God says you are, first and foremost. Secondly, sometimes it really helps to run with women who dream. Find you some women, find you a posse, find you some gals who know how to speak life into one another. Mm -hmm. It's important to find your people. And sometimes that's really hard to do, especially when we are pulled in so many different directions as women. But I believe if we pray for those women, God will give them to us. As well, I say be practical once again. Start to think about things that bring you joy. What are those things that bring you joy? What are those things that make you tick? What are those things that you're good at? And then ask God, how do you want me to use them for your glory, God? Um, I believe that if we get practical, if we're really truly wanting to dig ourselves out of where we are stuck into forward motion, lift your eyes up, look around you and ask God those questions. Ask him to walk with you and give you discernment and wisdom as to where you're supposed to put your hand in your foot next. And I do believe he will meet us there and answer us. Boy, and that sense of of support, you know, the, the scripture it calls upon us to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ and to find that tribe, that posse, as you call it, right. uh, to, to find that support system, I think is so vital today. And, and just that notion of being able to have the iron sharpening iron, sharing of best practices sort of approach to, to life and to work and certainly to leadership and ministry. A brilliant insight, really is. Uh, let me move next to, to Amber Wigan-Buckley. Amber, your thoughts. Yeah, I think some of the most important things that I've learned is there's there's probably something in everybody's life that they've been put, they've put up on the shelf, that, that it's collecting dust, things that, that they were passionate about, but it's been lost in years, it's been lost in maybe trauma, it's been lost in uh, the to-do list, you know, find out, they tap back into those things that you were really passionate about once, but right now you're like, well, I don't have time for that. Well, you know what, if you're, if, if God has given you something, if, if God would call you to a zoom meeting, would you show up? Would you show up? Um, God, if God's called you to do something, you, it, it, it's your job to show up. He wants you to show up. And um, also, you also have to evaluate what do you have in your hands, girl? You might be having so much stuff in your hands that's not even meant for you. I know that, you know, some women I know and some men are control freaks. They want they want everything. They want to do everything. They want to be the you know, they want to do everything. God gave us people right to the right and to the left so we could operate in our giftings fully. So I think that that is key. 
you're going to have to evaluate what you need to let go of to let God, let those God things back in and make time for those meetings and the meetup and to move in purpose. And I think that sense too, Amber, that as I think you're suggesting, don't limit yourself by limiting God. If you put that whatever it is up on the shelf 10 years ago or 50 years ago, don't allow yourself to be talked out of God's very best by suggesting that, well, now it's just too much or it's too complicated or or often women will say, well, it's just too late. You know, that, that was the vision that I had when I was 20. I'm now 60. What do you want me to do? What I want you to do is don't limit yourself by limiting God. Instead, let God out of the box and learn to trust him. And even if that vision has become old and tarnished and just sitting on the shelf and covered with dust, take it down off the shelf, mm-hmm. dust it off, and start pushing forward. Don Damon, it looks like you're going to get the final word here tonight. Your thoughts. Okay. <laughs> For me, I would say what everyone else has said, but foster and cultivate a growth mindset. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the only person that you're destined to become is the person that you decide to be. So the most important element of personal development is your identity. How do you define yourself? Decide who you want to be. Do you know who you are authentically? Are you living your dream or someone else's dream? So for me, a growth mindset means I believe I can grow, I can stretch, I can learn, I can improve, I can change. I'm not a tree. I can expand. So I face failure as my friend. It is a educationally rich experience but grow don't let somebody pigeonhole you let your mindset enable you to expand and develop and evolve you can practice resilience but listen god has greatness in store for you so do not settle and do not stop like i like to say it is you grow girl (laughs) i love it that needs to be on a t-shirt by the way (laughs) and you know i I, you you've quoted from wolf from uh, ralph waldo emerson Uh, now i'm gonna i'm gonna really set everybody back on their heels and i'm gonna quote from uh, thomas edison who of course brought us the phonograph movie camera the light bulb he was interviewed one time about the process of working through to create the first real practical functioning light bulb and uh, they asked him Edison, well, you know, uh, how long have you been at this? How many attempts? Oh, he says, it took me a thousand tries before I got it right. And the interviewer said, so you you failed 90, uh, 999 times and you succeeded only one time? And very quickly, Edison stepped in to correct the interviewer and said, no, absolutely not. It was 999 steps to the final step to success. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I think there's a practicality to that, that even if you've, you've failed 999 times and you've been kicked to the curb and knocked down and told you're incapable, no good, too late, uh, too much, whatever the excuse you might be handed, don't allow that stinking thinking to mm-hmm. impact 
what God has equipped you for and called you to do. Wonderful way to get started is to open up the pages of this delightful book uh, that all three of our guests have contributed to. And, of course, Amber Wagon Buckley was a visionary for it called Leading Ladies, Discover Your God-Grown Strategy for Success, newly published by Bold Vision Books. You can find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area. You can also get information online by going to Amber's website at leadinghearts.com. That's leadinghearts.com. We'll also invite you to check out the podcast that she, along with Lisa Burns Burris, do together, again, at leadinghearts.com. And finally, as always, we appreciate uh, and value the time we get a chance to spend every now and then with our dear friend Don Damon. Information about Don's ministry, Braveheart Mentor Coaching, at dondamon.com, D-A-W-N-D-A-M-O-N.com. Our thanks to all three guests for being with us tonight. And, hey, if you've really benefited from this conversation and and, and at least can be, you know, not going to answer every question, but at least get you kick-started and you know other women that could benefit from it, uh, when the broadcast wraps up tonight at 7 o'clock, we invite you to check out the Lifeline podcast page, grab it, send the link to some friends, and encourage them to learn how to achieve all that God has equipped you to be. Our thanks again to Amber Wigan Buckley, Lisa Burns Burris, and Don Damon for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. Six o'clock from KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.